a lot of fearful. One thing that I can say that helped me as opposed to my colleagues that I started with is I was able to take action. You know, a lot of them, they get nervous, they get that analysis or paralysis. And I just took the risk that I know I could afford to take and I took action, right? What a lot of people that I know or that I started with, a lot of them, they might have had better credit, they might have better financing, better background, but they didn't do anything with it. So that really separates because I look at it and I was like, I didn't do anything different that anybody could not have done. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited, as always, to bring you some additional educational information for investing, for financial freedom, for multifamily, commercial real estate. And we are pleased to provide you with some bonus episodes. So if you've been following our show, there are 186, I don't know, 187 something shows that we've been able to record with some phenomenal guests. And Last year, when COVID was bringing us down at one of the hardest levels for networking and person events, we started a virtual meetup and we were doing weekly Wednesdays and we did those for, gosh, it felt like a little under a year. And every once in a while, we would have some really solid guests deliver some really great information. It was just for our meetup attendees and we are finally going to publish those. So we're excited to put them out, some unreleased, unpublished, some versions of our meetup. So I just wanted to provide you a heads up. These are going to be the next few bonus episodes, push them out and get some information, additional education out to you all. So hopefully you enjoy. We trust that you you all are liking or sending reviews, written reviews to our podcast. The number of positive ratings continues to grow. So we appreciate your listening, your support, your social support as well on Facebook and LinkedIn and all the different places that we push to. So and Instagram. So thank you very much for everything. And I hope you enjoy the next several episodes. Let's get to our guest of honor, Mr. David Lagat. David, how's it going, brother? You doing okay? Hi, Abel. Hi, everyone. My name is David Lagat. Thank you for joining, man. Thank you for joining. Well, let me just first say thank you. <laughs> we we appreciate it, brother. Thank you for having uh, me. I know you, you've got a lot of stuff going on, so just carving out a little bit of time with us is great. I'm going to give a couple of highlights, and then I'm going to turn it over to you for an introduction because you probably have way more to tell. But since I met David this year, he's been one of those individuals that's provided a lot of insight, a lot of mentorship, some coaching for me personally, and then also other people 
that I've heard him speak on Clubhouse. So if you're not on there, an example of somebody who gives openly with his time and just insights. So anyways, he's done a number of deals, call them 4,000 plus units, maybe 4,500-ish now. So just under 5,000 doors and probably a difference from a lot of other individuals that we hear talk at our groups is David did 3,000 on his own without syndication. So he went from a fourplex to... 4,000 now, and then 3,000 of those are in his own. Just it, it's a actually 4,000 are now on 1,200 with syndication. So we have a little 4,000 on it. So correct some numbers because those are freaking amazing. He has really got vertically integrated company, construction, property management. He's in multiple different states in Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Arkansas, New Mexico. And I may be missing one or two of those states in there. But he's got an amazing son as well that's now in the business with him. So I'll let him talk about that good stuff. But he's just a solid, genuine individual, pretty humble for where he's at. And just wanted to say thank you for joining us. So David, let me turn it over to you, brother. Tell us in your own words, who are you, what you do, and we'll just start a great conversation here. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start with, I'm based out of Dallas. Like Emil puts it, I started with a fourplex about 20 years ago. I fought my first fourplex close to DFW Airport. For some of you that live in DFW, I bought a fourplex, used an FHA loan. And so I moved into one unit and uh, used the credit card for a down payment. And then uh, that's how I was able to buy my first investment property slash place to live, right? Straight out of college. Since then, I did about single-family homes, a little bit over 100 in, in a period of about 10 years. 2001 to 2011, that's when I first bought my first apartment complex. And then since then, we've done, without syndication, a little bit over 4,000, 4,200 without syndication. And in about 27, 28 separate apartment communities. Our smallest asset was a 48 unit. Our biggest one is 506 unit, one asset. So now started for a long time. I just was a lone wolf. So in the last year and a half, two years, I started partnering with other investors, uh, syndicators as a way of giving back and also being staying in the field and being relevant and trying to expand our reach at Bell Multifamily. So I think that's a little snippet about my journey of multifamily. Awesome. Awesome, brother. And now uh, some pretty big goals ahead. I've heard is try to double the size of that portfolio and get even bigger. And so I'm excited for the next 20 years, my friend. You've got a great, great business. So tell us, maybe we'll start as opposed to starting from the past to today. Right. Why don't you describe what your current business looks like today? How does your construction management, your team, your, well, construction and your property management, the amount of teams, different states, just give us a glimpse into what this actually means to have a portfolio like yours. Well, I mean, it would be overwhelming if I did it overnight, but it's just been blocked, you know, it's like a building block, right? It's just been organic. So it's just been adding one state and then the next state and then the next state. And then it's just been one asset at a time. It hasn't been, I think the biggest portfolio we bought was 1500 units. And then we did another thousand unit portfolio that we bought in across a couple of states. But 
This was a long-term plan. So as far as 20, how it 20 years, today, 20 years in the making, brother. Yeah. Yeah. As far as it looks today, we added the property management five years into it because we felt like we could have more control and we would have a lot more going on for our side, for our own construction. That's the only reason we started a property construction company. But even today, we don't even do construction for other investors or other, uh, we do all in-house. So our construction company, employees that work for that co- company, our mm-hmm. employee. And so we have pretty much me, and then I have regional managers. We have area managers for different places. And then it just goes down from there. It's just the, the top, and then it goes down to Oklahoma would have their own person that deals with that. And then you have somebody that they report to. And then so is Alabama, so is New Mexico, so is Louisiana. Got it. And sounds like after five years or so, you said, hey, I really want to do it for ourselves. We've right. done it enough. And then do you view your property management and your construction team as the same company? Or was it like your property management company and construction management? Uh, yeah, construction so we started with or... property management company. And with property management, we did, it was by default. We did have, we had staff working on single family homes already. Like the first ten years, so the property management company we started from the gateway. The first apartment complex we bought was the seventy-two unit. So we actually formed the Bella multifamily at that time. After we bought our first apartment complex, we got an office and started building a team that way. Yeah. So if I get it right, those first hundred houses, like you were landlording yourself. So we start out. I did a corporate job, just like straight out of college, and. So when, and I did that, I had, at first I started with a property management company, you know, if they were not, I felt like they were not doing, I was too small for them. So they were not giving me that attention for a smaller, you know, uh, fish in a big pond. Right. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I was, you know, a couple of fourplexes and a couple of single family homes. So they were not as, they didn't require a lot of time. So I managed, I self-managed those. And then as the portfolio increases, I added staff and started building that team. So then as I left corporate America, then I focused on building, being vertically integrated and bringing everything in-house. Got it. Okay. So now we know kind of what you're doing today, small glimpse of it, but it's, I mean, there's a ton going on from doing it a single family to going to multifamily to creating your own management. And a lot of that was while you were full-time working as a professional. And then at some point you switched over. So maybe we'll get back to this portfolio thing, but how did that even get started for you? Like your very first deal was a fourplex, you lived in it. And then what was your thought process in the beginning? I'm going to buy two, or did you already say, you know, I'm going to buy like a hundred of these things. What was your original you, uh, Some of you guys read the book by Robert Allen. So I started what was the with- book? What Robert was the book? Allen. It was like, you know, it was about how to buy single family homes. So the plan for me originally was, hey, buy 10 single family homes, pay them off in 10, 15 years. And then once they get paid off, you're collecting 10, $15,000 a month. That was my retirement plan. So, <laughs> yeah. So really what happens is I compressed that time frame and I got that, you know, in a year or two. And now once you get that, you keep going, right? It just became a domino effect. You just kept going. And then now you start learning about so many tricks about subject to financing, honor financing, 1031 exchanges. 
And then uh, with lenders coming, knocking on the doors, brokers knocking on doors, more opportunities as she became more successful. There are a lot of people, lenders, brokers knocking on the doors, and we kept taking the opportunities as they can. So that's really how I never set out there to own 4,000 apartments. So, you know, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't think that. Maybe now I, I'm trying to be intentional about how many units. But when I started, I just was, I just wanted to have enough money to retire and not have to worry about a job. So yeah. that was my first goal. And everything else that came after that was because uh, it was a kind of gravy. It was an after, it was the effect of being successful. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's just good to hear a glimpse into it. And also for those that may not know you, there's extra hurdles, extra obstacles, extra challenges that you faced. And I love talking to people from other countries that came over to the U.S. because I look at the U.S., we were born here and I go, man, uh, sometimes I take things for granted, right? How just great our country is and the freedom we have. And and somebody like you that came over from the, maybe you could tell us where you were born and when you came to the U.S., man, because I want to know how you took advantage of this opportunity in such an amazing way. I was born in Kenya. I came to the U.S. to go to college in, uh, in Texas. So my coming over here to go to school, it was just go to school, graduate, go back home. And there's a lot of stuff. My parents are farmers here. The, the goal was get a job, you know, graduate, go back there, get a big government job. And, you know, that's how you retire. But anyway, after I got here, no, I kind of liked it here. <laughs> so I got settled in, got married, got a job, corporate job, working at the bank. And then I was like, ah, this wasn't for me. The grind of getting up every morning, the timelines. I guess the biggest thing that kind of caught me to start thinking about there's got to be a better life than this is because, as she said, I have a majority of my family in Kenya. So for me to go visit them, I had to budget those two weeks that they give you. God forbid your kids get sick or some, you know, you had to take a day for personal day for anything. So you don't have a lot of time. And with that, you know, not having a lot of time, what I wanted at first was time freedom to be able to go visit my family if I needed to, right? And not have to think, do I have enough sick days left? Do I have enough? holidays, vacation on my, you know, that I have left. So that was one thing that got me to think about business, right? And also at that point I was thinking, you know, that's got to be better. So that was, my goal was simple, just buy time, you know, get that time freedom. And I need, I just wanted to have $10,000 a month. And that's how I started with it. And you had asked about how did I come over here? But when I do, when I look at being from another country as an advantage, because it's a, fresh set of eyes, right? Like I come over here and I see all these opportunities. I didn't know where to start, right? I could, I looked at everything. I looked at starting a franchise. I looked at selling cars. I looked at a little bit of everything. So to me, I look at being from a different place, different country as an advantage as opposed to, you know, I felt that it gave me an advantage because now I can take advantage of all the opportunities that I see. And I'm glad I got into real estate and it's just been, it just worked out really well for us. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Thank you very much for sharing a little bit here. And it's an amazing story. And so appreciative that you'd share it. While we have this intimate setting to learn from David, it's, it's a great time. Did you raise capital in the beginning? Well, no, you didn't. You did it on your own. How did you even get all that cash to do all those deals? 
you said creative financing 1031. So I do want to hear a little bit more about that, but it's different than what I think a lot of us are saying, Hey, I'm going to raise a bunch of capital and go do that. How did you put all those deals together? It was just one deal at a time. So I just think that I was in at the right time and I took advantage of, I didn't go out there and I didn't buy an apartment. I bought houses for so long and houses back in 2001 was, you know, I was buying houses for 50 to 75,000, maybe a hundred grand, right? Was the highest yeah. to buy. And so what I would do is I connected with wholesalers. And so I didn't market for these houses because remember I have a yeah. corporate job. I have very limited time. So what yeah. I would do is I would go to investor meet, meetups, build relationships with wholesalers and yeah. I'll get on their mailing list. And I would connect with one that I thought had the most volume. And every week I'll get a list and I'll pick three or four properties and I'll find a way to buy them, which was through bank financing. I love it. You know, saving in money from the job. But first lived on rice and beans for a while, saving, putting away all that money and then buying properties. But as they yes. appreciate now you sell those properties or refinance them, then you buy bigger and bigger and bigger. So as time goes, your properties go up in value, you're buying more discount, you're getting well-known in the community or through the community of investors, then you're getting more deals that are actually has more meat in the bone. Like I, I believe when I first started, they gave me the deals that you know, didn't, you know, nobody yeah, else no wanted, one else because wanted. You're, you're the <laughs> yeah. new guy in the block. So you're not uh, going to get the best deals, but as time when you end up getting better deals, you get, end up getting better financing and whatnot, because the first financing, maybe they do 50%, 75% LTV, but as time went by, you prove yourself, the banks are liking you, they, you're becoming bankable. And so that's how it is. I mean, I just stuck with it. Man. You know what? I love hearing your path because it's so simple. It's, it's very basic. Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I think yeah. somebody listening and thinking that there's a magic thing that I'm going to say here that isn't. I just, it was a grind. I just stuck with it and I enjoyed it. I mean, you got to enjoy what you're doing. I loved it. And I just kept doing the, yeah. and it seems like every time that I, I do something, like I meet somebody else that will take me to the next step. Mine has been very basic, guys. There's nothing I don't have. I learned about all these fancy words about cap rates and all that after I was already 100 units. The basic words is buy, <laughs> buy low, sell high. That was really <laughs> it. I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's nothing fancy about it. Yeah. And get guys to get some construction guys yep. to help you with the construction. That's about it, really. I hate to, to, to say, to make it like it's yeah, that pretty was easy, it. but it is. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're going to appreciate our investor's guide to multifamily investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million worth of real estate. So we're going to show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating. I'm going to give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're going to send you a free copy. 
So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it because that simple part of it alone mm-hmm. is what happens is we kind of sometimes think, oh yeah, well, I've looked at, I've talked to a wholesaler and I looked at a deal and there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone. I looked at a multifamily deal once. I looked at it twice. I've talked to all the brokers. I had four conversations with four different people. And I have a feeling that was like your Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tuesday, I, I do think though, one of the things that I'll, I'll say though, is mm-hmm. fear, right? Because these guys that I started with, either from my corporate job or somewhere else, a lot of fearful. One thing that I can say that helped me as opposed to my colleagues that I started with is I was able to take action. You know, a lot of them, they get nervous. They get that analysis or paralysis. And I just took the risk that I know I could afford to take. And I took action, right? What a lot of people that I know or that I started with, a lot of them, they might have had better credit. They might have better financing, better background, but they didn't do anything with it. So that really separates because I look at it and I was like, I didn't do anything different that anybody could not have done. You know, getting the wholesalers, they would probably, I didn't use social media. Actually, I'm starting to get into social media in the last year and a half. I, you know, I was just old school, right? Just all handshake, go meet the banker, go meet the wholesaler, get meet the broker and bring me as many deals as I can. And I close as many deals with them as I care. That was enough deals for me. Uh, now I'm starting to be a little fancy and look uh, sophisticated and getting into social media because <laughs> I need to, right? Yeah. It's the new age, but... Yeah, it's the yeah, new age. But the one thing about social media that, that I'm liking, though, is it's pressing that time frame. Instead of doing it for 20 years, I know guys that probably started the last year and a half and probably have so many units and all that stuff, right? If you do it my way, it's going to take you 20 years, right? But there's better way you can do it faster. But the fundamentals are the same. Yeah. And for me, one thing is whenever I complicate things, I always mess up. So if I kept it simple, it's always worked out really well. Whether it's in a, a 200 unit apartment complex, a single farm, a complex, or, you know, a stealth storage. Yeah. This is awesome. Thank you so much, David. So let's get to a couple of questions while we still have Mr. Lagat here. So, Toby. Why don't you ask your question, sir? Thanks for asking it. And sure. go ahead and ask David yourself. Sure. Thanks for uh, allowing me to be here, Abel. And hey, David. <laughs> hey, Toby. Good to finally meet you. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, virtually. <laughs> so my question is, what is your greatest regret? And on the opposing end, what are you most proud of in business? I think that there's a lot of things that I'm proud of. One of the things is family, right? Like Abel said at the beginning, you know, having my son join me in business and being able to make it a family business, I'm proud of that. I'm also proud of the fact that we are able to take a Humpty Dumpty property and make a home for somebody. Families give people a clean, safe place to live in. I think, you know, that's one of the things, that's why we do what we do, right? Is being able to give families and be part of that, you know, making up, giving back to our communities either through housing. So I think that's, I'm very proud of that. Uh, as far as regrets, I don't really have a lot of regrets, but if I were to say anything about regrets, I didn't buy enough properties that I should have bought. 
you know, <laughs> which is everybody's, you know, uh, maybe in these 20 years, I should have bought double the number, the size of properties, right? But, you know, I don't regret it as much, but if it's something I would have done differently, hindsight is 2020, I should have bought, I should have loaded up on all the properties that I had at the time, that I had access to, but I didn't. I keep hearing the that, I've heard that many, many multiple times, and and I have a feeling in 20 years from now, we're going to say the same, golly, right? The same, you know, in the 1900s, they're like, oh, 1920s, we should have bought more in 1900. I tell you, and when I was buying my first fourplex, I paid full price for it. And I talked uh -huh. to a couple of brokers and the brokers was telling me the first, the best time to have bought the properties was in 1991, right? This was in 2001. This is a broker has been in business for 15, 20 years telling me, yeah, you are late to the party, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm thinking I wish I had bought so many. This was in 2001. <laughs> 2015, people wish they bought the properties that we have now in 2015 or 2017. Probably yeah. 2025, somebody wish they bought today. Yes. Yeah. Same. Well, this is awesome. Okay. So, Ruben, you have a great question too, brother. Why don't you go ahead and ask yourself too? Sure. Thanks, Abel. David, thank you so much. This inspiring story, man. I think a lot of us think, you know, we see success and we think, man, I can't get there. That guy's doing something better than I can do. And it's cool to hear that you started just like all of us, right? And we can all get there. So really inspiring. My question is now that, you know, for a lot of us, our goal is to be where you are, right? And have 4,000 units, have our, our family and our business. Like those are great goals for us. What are your goals now? Because I know once you hit a bar, like there's always a next bar that you got to get to. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, what are your goals now or the next year and then over the next five years so one is i want to make sure that i'm maximizing the resources that i have right now right if you've been in the real estate business as long as i've been or even longer you have a lot of equity right so we started launching a private equity firm like for ourselves right now we're selling the apartment what do you do with that equity right so what we started doing is we started like a lending arm so we want to build a lending arm and start lending either to syndicators or doing a private equity or JVing with other investors. And that's how we scale even more to that 10,000, 15,000 years. The other thing that I started doing last year is I started picking five or six syndicators that I know I can work with, interview them, talk with them. And then I'm going to be partnering with the deal, either bring the balance sheet, you know, liquidity or anything like that. That's how we scale on that. The other thing that we're doing too is we started, we're going to start like a charity arm of our company. As you get bigger, you start that social, you know, giving back, right? So we're going to build a philanthropic side of our business, Bella Cares. We want to start giving back either through, you know, starting to, uh, you know, helping, you know, pick a cost, whatever the cost would be. So that would be something that we, in the next five years, I want to see it's become big in our company because we all going to succeed and, and succeed, but then it won't be matter that much if you don't look back to help, uh, you know, the, those less fortunate in the community. So that's one. So uh, besides getting to 20,000, you know, 10,000, 15,000 units, whatever you call, we want to focus also on the social side of things and then also build our lending side of uh, business. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Great question. Thanks, David. So I'll keep going down. Benny, Mr. Benjamin Resendez. Hey, brother. Good to see you or have you. You want to ask your question directly for uh, David? Sure. 
Hey, uh, David, I uh, kind of kind of makes me very upset to hear your story because you've done all this. You came from Kenya, and I'm here in San Antonio. Lived here all my life with all these resources, and you've done all of this stuff that I just dreamed to do. And I come, I'm going to try and use that as motivation to do it myself. But uh, having said that, I'm curious: when you first started, did you like do your due diligence in learning the trade, or did you just kind of jump in and just Learn it as you go. I'll tell you something that I've never said in one of these podcasts. If I had gone through a syndication group or anything like that, I would not have done what I've done. I would not have bought 4,000 units. Why? These guys, they put a lot of uh, guardrails that sometimes it stops you from taking action. So I stayed away from all the gurus. I studied it, read it. But I wasn't part, I'm not, even if today I'm not part of any guru other than one or two masterminds that I go to. And those guys, they are, they, they've done what I've done or they're even higher level than I have, right? But at the beginning, when I look back, I was like, you know, I can't believe the stuff that some of the properties that I bought and did well in. But I'm glad I did those because if I had gone through a guru, they would have told me run. And I was told run a couple of times, right? But those deals end up being the most lucrative deals that I ever did in the last 20 years. So your question, did I do some due diligence? My due diligence on the first property, the fourplex that I won, it was based on need. Okay. When I was buying my first fourplex, my wife at the time was pregnant. Uh, I had a job that was making $32,000. She was still in college. It's not enough. So the best due diligence is it closer to my job? How far is it closer to my job? How much savings will I save by buying this property? So I wasn't looking at, I'm going to get this cash flow. My first property, I was only cash flowing $100 if everything went well, right? But so to answer your question, my diligence was, how much is my payment? Is it closer to my job? Is it going to be closer to my wife's school? And is it in good shape? Is it not going to cost me a lot of money? So I didn't buy a lot of property with foundation. It was very cosmetic, you know, carpet, paint, and check on the AC and the roof. If those were good, I'll just, I can, I can manage the carpet, I can manage the paint. Everything else, I'll pass on. That's one of my regrets, right? There are a lot of bills I could have bought cheaper, but I bought some that needed very little because I didn't have the resources to do anything else. I couldn't do a foundation. I couldn't do a lot of roofs. I couldn't do so. But there was a lot of inventory at the time when I was starting out. I came in at the right time. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take, well, take some action. I love it. And I, the, the person who asked that question, I, I know him in and outside of the arena. So Benny, I know you're an action taker, man. So get it on. I love it. And then, okay, if anybody else has any other questions, put them in there. And then Toby, you have another question? Feel free, brother. Yeah, I started. Still a show. <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, but, it's okay. But I, I love mindset, especially coming from David. I think it's just phenomenal and you kind of touched on fear and analysis paralysis and i think that's something that a lot of us go through as entrepreneurs and just as as people in general so my question is where does your risk tolerance come from i know you mentioned necessity and things like that but what kind of separates you from the people that sit on the sidelines and i mean how does one just decide that a hundred dollars cash flow is enough you know is it just was it just a burning desire to get in the game or just, you know, to keep hey, taking action? Yeah, I think 
One of the things that when I bought my first apartment complex, guys, I was so proud of it. I would drive around it at night and just, to, you know, still then that is mine, right? So it's that pride of ownership. Once you buy, I was so excited to buy the property. I don't think I remembered about the cash flow. You know, I've looked at, you know, it's close to the job and all that stuff. But $100 a month was a win for me, right? But it got my feet wet. That's the first thing, you know, that I wanted to get in. And they got the broker, the local realtors to look at me and as somebody that can close on a deal. I'll tell you this. When I tried to get my first loan, I went to Bank of America. They turned me down. I went to a couple of banks. They turned me down. But JP Morgan, because I worked there, I was an employee. I got, uh, I was able to get the loan, even though it was an FHA loan. They took a chance on me because I was an employee there. Other than that, I didn't have credit. I didn't have a lot of cash savings. So... Yeah, so you, you, there was a lot of obstacles to getting my first deal. But once you've done that, it goes. But your your question is, you know, what's your risk tolerance? I wanted to be as far away, you know, coming from Africa, there's a lot of poverty, right? You know, let's be real about it. So I wanted to be as far away from that as possible. I've had people say, okay, you have a job, you have savings. How long can you last with it without needing a job, right? So every single day I, I was calculating, okay, how long can I last with my savings, which wasn't very much at, at the beginning. And there's something about not happy. You don't have a lot to read. You're young. I guess I was young at the time in my 20s, 21. And I didn't want a lot. So I didn't have a lot to lose, really. I mean, you know, you, know, you have that asset accumulation stage and then you have the asset preservation you know, when, when you get that point, when you start thinking about maybe this is too risky, but when you don't have a lot, you know, and then they're giving you, uh, you know, I read, there was a guy named Carlton Sheets. I'll wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I'll watch <laughs> those infomercials at three in the those morning. Those are motivating, yeah, those are motivating. Yeah, so I was watching that, no money down, right? looking for properties, everything I could do with, with whatever, yeah. But anyway, my point to you is, Man, I just, I think just that burning desire to make change for my family and to change the trajectory of everything and just to know that this is the vehicle that is there that I can do. I think that's one of the things that was more powerful than the fear itself, right? Just, I wanted to be successful so much that fear wasn't even in part of the equation, right? But the, one of the things too is I read a lot, right? So when you read a lot, you get knowledge and, and, and now you get to, you know, all those fears. If I, if I had a fear on something, I do research. I talk to people. I call, you know, call to somebody. There was a guy named Andre Landrum, based out of Arlington, Texas. He owned 50 houses. Man, I thought that was everything. So I would follow Andrew around, right? I will talk to him and I will say, like, Andre, what is this? What, what can you, how did you do this? Who's your insurance guy? If I have a question, I call him. Some of these people, they're giving. I mean, one thing that I like about successful people is they will go to tell you. So to avoid that, uh, to get over that risk is educate yourself. And then with that, you're not going to fear that much because you have the education. Fear is usually because you don't know what you don't know. All right. Uh, this is awesome. David, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Man, you're the man. But David, if somebody wants to reach out to you to like invest in your deals or ask you, whatever the question is on how they can provide value, whatever, put your contact information here so they can reach out to you and then vice versa. David, do you have any last final thoughts, closing remarks and you know, anything for us, clo questions for us, anything, brother. 
just yeah, appreciate I just that you like joined. to meet everybody. Maybe not today, but I'm at that point where I'm networking and I want to meet as many people as possible. Hey, link up with me with uh, on Instagram. I just put that in there, Bella Multifamily, and send me a, a message. I go to San Antonio, Austin, all these other states. You know, let me know what you're working on. Find a way of we're not gonna work with every single one of everybody, but there's always ways. Maybe even chatting about real estate. Like I'm like you, able. I like talking real estate. Link up with me if you have any questions, or just if you want to chat about real estate. If I'm in your town or you're in the DFW market, you know, let's meet up for coffee. And besides that, you know, you guys are the right place. And I think real estate's been good to me. It's gonna, it's good for everybody. That and one thing that I want to tell you guys too is. There's enough for everybody. <laughs> There's a lot of risk, so let's share. You're not, we're gonna have it here, we found it here, we're gonna leave it here, but that is enough for everybody, so let's share. We can't you, We can't buy them all, and if yeah, uh, that, 5,000 uh, doors is talking to us and saying, you can't buy them all, everybody. we can't buy them either. We can't buy them all either. There's plenty yeah. to go around. I love it. Okay, well, good. Whenever you have I'll jump out. Yes, sir, thank you, David, I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with your host, myself, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from industry experts and commercial real estate investors who follow their dreams and achieve massive success. Before you leave, let me ask you a few questions. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn something valuable? Was your mind stretched to what's possible and what you can achieve? Do you want other experts just like the one you heard today? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, then please take a moment to subscribe to the Five Talents Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And most importantly, leave us a written review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us your favorite guests. Give us any feedback. I'm excited to learn and improve so you can get a more valuable show. So thank you again for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.